Welcome to Success Stories, the podcast where outstanding women share their journey to leadership, the personal habits that have helped them succeed, and the projects they're passionate about. Join me, your host, Catherine Robson, as we redefine what success looks like. Catherine Swintech is a managing partner of Golden Seeds, a leading angel investment firm dedicated to women entrepreneurs across the United States. Prior to her non-executive and angel investing career, Catherine was a senior investment banking executive in New York and London at global banking firm BNP Paribas. Prior to this, she worked at Irving Trust Company and was the banking officer for the Middle East and Africa division and the head of acquisition finance based in Paris. To excel in her French posting, she taught herself French to such a high level of fluency that she's now bilingual and recently took dual French citizenship. Catherine has served as a director of corporate and not-for-profit entities since 1998. She currently serves on the board of directors of four private companies in the industrial distribution, medical devices, digital publishing and financial services sector and of a NASDAQ-listed company in the medical device industry. Catherine, tell us a bit about Golden Seeds. I would be delighted to tell you a little bit about Golden Seeds. It was founded by Stephanie Newby in 2004. Stephanie noted that there were a number of organizations who were dedicated to mentoring women entrepreneurs and kind of guiding them through the ropes of, in particular, raising capital, but she realized that there were very few organizations who were writing checks. So she felt that in order to complete the ecosystem and actualize that mentoring that these worthy women entrepreneurs were receiving, somebody had to lead the way. One of my partners, Peggy Wallace, and another, Loretta McCarthy, joined Stephanie early on in that effort. And from, I think it was a table at Columbia University or something with, you know, just a few people, uh, women started flocking to them, uh, hearing about what they were doing. And I'm very happy to say that in the 12 years of operating uh, through August of this year, because I think the first check was written in 2005, we uh, passed the $100 million dollar milestone of investments in women entrepreneurs over that 12-year period. And do you find enough quality businesses led by women to invest in? We invest in uh, less than 3% of the companies we see, so, and we just passed the $100 million uh, milestone. So, yeah, absolutely. So it's There's an environment, it's a target-rich environment. Absolutely. And uh, we have offices around the United States. So our headquarters in New York, we have uh, what we call forums in Boston and Silicon Valley. We have a large contingent of individual angel investor members in Dallas, Texas. We're expanding to Houston and uh, we are likely to also be expanding to Atlanta. So that geographic reach makes it easier for the women in those uh, particular locations to have an audience of investors who might be interested, and then all of the companies are ultimately exposed to the entire Golden Seeds group of angel investors, which today numbers just under 300. It's one of the five largest 
multi-office angel investment firms in the United States. Does the investment opportunity include both the classic seed investment where you can choose one company you want to put your own money into in collection with others and a fund structure, or is it just one of those? We uh, started a side-by-side fund in 2008. That's before I joined uh, Golden Seeds. And what does side-by-side mean? Yeah, a side-by-side or a sidecar fund, and that was an angel investor-driven investment vehicle. So if enough angels were investing in a company, that made that company eligible to get an investment from, again, the sidecar fund. The first third-party and investment committee-driven fund was established in 2011. I'm a managing partner along with five others in that fund. For purposes of investment opportunities, all investment opportunities are brought to both the fund and to the angel investors. So if it comes into the fund and we're able to offer it to the angels, uh, we do. The fund is an exclusive to Golden Seeds using the name and having access to the deal flow. So we are seeing all of the 800 or so opportunities that come in to Golden Seeds every year. And what have been some of your most successful investments? Uh, the most successful investments have been in technology and in healthcare uh, so far, actually across the spectrum, I have to say. You're able to give sort of specifics of individual companies that, yeah, that have sure. been um, terrific? Yeah, of course. So in the technology space, uh, enterprise services, uh, one of our investments, which is being led now by the founder of Golden Seed, Stephanie Newby, who's the CEO of this company, Crimson Hexagon, is a award-winning business intelligence company. So they use patented algorithm to listen in the market on uh, social media platforms to what is being said about could be anything. Companies in particular, a lot of their clients are brands or companies. It could also be political parties. Uh, So it really has a a wide reach. But they've been uh, growing very smartly and received a a funding round, I guess next month it'll be uh, two years ago, valuing them at $100 And our valuation was $5 or something. So that's a terrific example. Another one on the consumer side, and we are very careful about uh, what we do on the consumer side, largely because barriers to entry are not as high as in some other, you know, I just said patented algorithm for Crimson, et cetera. But this is Little Passports, and it's a company started by two women who were both working at eBay in different uh, segments. And uh, they started a subscription company geared to children Uh, teaching them about international geography, culture, languages, and uh, has been just a tremendous success and recently expanded to the um, STEM area, but very sticky business. They don't talk about, as a private company, their uh, revenues, but they were quoted in Forbes earlier this year as having a run rate of $40 in revenues, and uh, you know that's that's very impressive. And then on the healthcare front, we have a company, Cognition Therapeutics, which has attracted some very key investors and management board members, and they are developing a an Alzheimer disease modifying drug, which just completed phase one B of trials. In fact, 
their initial trials were in Australia. Because there's an Australian connection with cognitive therapy. Yes, yes. We helped scale in Australia, and they were very impressed with cognition. As an example, when they came to do an on-site learning, if you will, with Golden Seeds, it happens that Cognition Therapeutics was coming through the door, so they uh, participated in one of the investment rounds. Golden Seeds ended up raising among multiple rounds, but not that many, $30 million for the company, and that's already an achievement to have gotten through Phase 1B uh, relative to other companies that have raised $100 million or more and are not as far along. So it's another example of, you know, women having to uh, do more with less. And in the case of Cognition Therapeutics, it was founded by a woman scientist who's the chief science officer of the company, Dr. Susan Catalano. You said that there's 97% of the deals that you see that you pass on. What are the characteristics of the really good deals that you see that you really want to jump at and invest in? The characteristics are that they already have uh, what we call proof of concept. And that's really critical because if you're making an investment, it's to go from one stage to another stage. So if they have proof of concept, uh, what we want our investment dollars to be used for is to validate the market for their product. And obviously not all of them are going to work. This is early stage investing, so um, it's a discovery process. But we want them to already have, again, proof points. uh, And to have funded that development with friends and family money and their own money to have sort of skin in the game. Is that part of what you're looking for? I think the other thing is that we want to see evidence that the founders and if the founders uh, who are frequently uh, the management team at the point that we invest because we are Series A investors, uh, that they have a a bias towards experimenting and discovering as opposed to thinking that their cake is baked and just going full bore and going down a path that may be the wrong path. So we would rather see companies, especially at this early stage, uh, be very nimble, again, uh, place uh, very small bets along the way, see what is working and why, and really understand why something is working and why something is not working. A lot of entrepreneurs have a tendency to think uh, when something's not working that, well, it didn't work yet, but it will work, as opposed to really doing the diagnostic, if you will, to understand, well, maybe I have a flaw somewhere, and, and I really want to know what that flaw is. Obviously, Another aspect is uh, being able to uh, sell others on your vision and attract the people who you will need to execute your plan. So we'd like to see evidence that the founders, entrepreneurs are able to do that. You've come to Golden Seas with an enormous amount of financial markets experience. Is that essential to be part of a seed, whether it's Golden Seeds or something else, a startup investment investor? Uh, No, actually, of the 300 or so members of Golden Seeds, probably a third uh, have uh, financial backgrounds and two-thirds don't. And there are examples of many successful investors uh, from all walks of life. So I think general business experience uh, certainly is, is helpful. In order to capitalize on opportunities, it takes a village, it takes a team. 
And that's what is powerful about Golden Seeds, that you, we have a network of people who are cashed out entrepreneurs, who are former chief marketing officers, former chief information officers, former product people. It could be from, from any particular area that will be relevant to understanding the potential of a company and you know the potential pitfalls as well. So I think, you know, obviously having the financial background, believe me, the marketing people are very happy <laughs> that somebody with a financial background is on the team. But likewise, as a financial person, I can tell you that I'm very happy when I see that somebody with a deep technology experience or a deep marketing experience is on the team. You know, so it's not just the experience that they have, but their access to others in their particular field that we can enhance our due diligence by calling upon. And your career seemed like it sort of took you around the world doing really interesting things. What led you into finance? Uh, I was always interested in business, and I was an economics major undergrad and uh, then went for my master's in business and finance immediately upon graduating, actually. I did it at night and, and worked during the day. So I just always had an interest in, in business, and finance was just something that, you know, appealed to me more than other areas of business. I just like the specificity, probably, of finance. And you're both a French speaker and a French citizen as well, as being a US citizen and obviously an English speaker. How does that inform your view of the investment experience? Yeah, I mean, at this point, we focus exclusively on companies uh, which are based in the United States because when we think about investing in early stage companies, there's enough risk involved at that early stage. So we don't feel that we have you know, the ability to deeply understand the context of a business that might be uh, located in another country. I mean, if they're doing business in another country as well as here, that's fine. But even in terms of our access to other investors that we can introduce to the company, because if there's one thing that's sure with our companies, because we are Series A investors in the first instance, and that is that they will be doing other capital raisings. And that actually is a critical part of a company's ability to succeed or not succeed. I think in terms of overseas experience, I am a French uh, citizen. I lived in Paris for five years. I also lived in London for four years. And I also lived in Vienna, Austria when I was a student. I did the junior exchange abroad. So I think an international work experience or living experience helps you to develop more uh, empathy and maybe more creativity around different ways to do things. You know, when you're in your own environment and you look at what works and what doesn't work, you think that must be the same for everybody. But, you know, getting outside of that on that kind of basis, then you understand, oh, this also works. And so you can bring that rich problem-solving set, if you will, to to anything that you're doing, including investing in in companies that are based here, but just, you know, as a frame of reference that's maybe broader than it otherwise would be. When people come to you seeking out your advice about investments or careers, from the outside, you have that fabulous arc in your experience in terms of doing interesting work and then going on and having a portfolio of board roles and being an active investor. 
What are the sorts of things that you suggest for younger people in terms of building their, their competency? It's interesting. I just had a conversation with the daughter of a friend of a good friend of mine who asked me to meet this young woman who already has had a remarkable success in her studies, including, uh, I believe she was uh, a Fulbright scholar in Europe recently and did some work with various uh, European governmental agencies. She is now in law school and, you know, very interested in, in being a lawyer. Now, I know many examples of people from business, and I financed private equity deals, in particular a number of partners at private equity firms that started out at law firms and found the pace of, at that time, of uh, being an associate on uh, corporate transactions to be pretty brutal. And, and it really is a 24-hour kind of thing. I mean, it's relentless. So uh, she was interested in, nevertheless, uh, going to a law firm and uh, what should she do. And I did encourage her to carve out some area of expertise that other people at the firm and clients uh, would look to. And one of them that I, I gave to her that's you know very new today is blockchain. So this is a concept that's hard for many people to understand because it is new. You're not finding it certainly everywhere, and I know on my boards I've encouraged my companies to look into it and adopt some aspect of blockchain in their business. So there's a lot of resistance. I think young people can have that advantage that uh, they haven't seen it done another way for, you know, 20 or 30 years, and they can bring that uh, perspective and, and perhaps also more technologically embracing than what their peers with many more years' experience may have. So I did encourage her in that particular case to specialise, and others as well. And presumably that's contingent on having the confidence to speak up and make your contribution when you're fresh and young in your new industry. Do you encourage younger women to join Golden Seeds? One of the aspects of Golden Seeds is that we uh, do require members to work on at least one uh, deal team a year, because, again, it takes a village, and that means that if we're going to benefit from uh, the knowledge and expertise of each other, then it needs to be shared. So it can't just be, here's my check, someone yeah, else I mean, do the work. It, You've got to get in there. We do ask people to participate in at least uh, one due diligence. And then uh, the other thing is uh, we do ask our members to invest at least $25,000 a year. That can be in two transactions because the minimum per investment is 12500 and a lot of young people starting out wouldn't have the means to do that. Uh, oftentimes they're still paying off student loans and, and that kind of thing and getting established in their family life and their saving, and they don't yet have uh, oftentimes the funds to make those investments. And the other thing is, uh, of course, in the United States, you need to be an accredited investor to make these investments. So you would need to have at least a million dollars of liquid net worth or $200,000 of earnings in each of the last two years so they wouldn't meet the criteria. But it also seems like there's a quite strong 
culture in the startup community that if you've made an exit yourself, that then you go on and invest in other um, startups. So, I mean, that seems like a way that there's that passing of expertise from one generation. Yes. I mean, if there was a young person, and we, we know some, right, Mark Zuckerberg and others like that, who would absolutely meet the criteria of a, an accredited investor and would be interested in other startups having lived through that themselves. And as I said, a lot of the angel investors that comprise the Golden Seeds membership are cashed out entrepreneurs. So it's a good uh, perspective to bring to the table for us as well, you know, having lived through the experience of building something. Are there any books that you recommend to either entrepreneurs or other people coming to you looking for, for your guidance? We generally, or I uh, haven't uh, recommended books per se. It's more, here's the strategic plan, here's the financial plan that goes with that strategic plan, and what do you need? So we do encourage our companies on an at-all-times basis to make sure that uh, they let us know what their wish list is, how can we help them. So even if somebody has not invested in the company, if the Golden Seeds community knows what this company needs. Let's say they want an introduction to Costco. There well may be somebody in the Golden Seeds community who has a warm introduction to Costco. So they just need to let us know about that. But in terms of a book that I think is very relevant to entrepreneurs, it's Ben Horowitz's book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I'm just in the um, middle of it at the moment. Which is one of my favorite books. I, I recommend it to everybody. It's, it's a terrific book. And it's not just about startups. I mean, no. it's applicable for whatever size you're organization. Although he comes at it from, you know, the startup experience, which, which was really amazing. Last question for you. Is there anyone that you would nominate as a hero for you personally? And, and why is that person a hero for you? I have actually a terrific answer to that question. One at the tip of my tongue. And that person is Dorothy Silverstein. Dorothy will be celebrating her 100th birthday later this month. Dorothy was one of my first bosses in the banking business many years ago. Um, She was a Radcliffe graduate, very, very bright, remains very, very bright. She came up through banking, and her last uh, position at Irving Trust Company, uh, which is now BMY Mellon, was head of the International Credit Division, and what that meant was that all of the credit extensions to any clients outside of the United States had to be approved ultimately by Dorothy. And uh, Dorothy was a very exacting person, made sure that uh, when proposals were being made by the you know, various banking officers that they were complete in every way, So uh, she was a terrific, terrific person to learn from early on in my career. So to have somebody like that as a role model early days and somebody who was highly, highly respected and would have been, I'm sure, CEO of the bank if she had come along 20 or 30 years later. But in her day, when she expressed an interest in other positions you know, perhaps in client-facing positions, senior officers of the bank actually said to her, but Dorothy, you're a woman. (laughs) And they could say that in those days. (laughs) You know, so 
But she stuck with it, and again, she created tremendous value for that bank because she kept them out of, you know, a lot of uh, credit extensions that were ill-advised, and also by her example and her expertise, she trained, you know, a whole army of of people who went on to then work in in the banking industry. So her her reach, you know, went well beyond her immediate footprint, if you will. And uh, she is celebrating her 100th birthday. My mother and I just took her to lunch last month at Jean-Georges, you know. Well, it sounds like she was an amazing trailblazer and in her footsteps you follow. So thank you so much for spending some time sharing your story and the story of Golden Seeds. Oh, my pleasure, Catherine. Nice to talk to you. Every week I find a nugget of gold in each discussion, something I want to take away and implement in my own life. If you feel the same, I'd love to know how my guests touch your lives. You can leave a review on iTunes or get in touch on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thanks to the awesome Buffy Gorilla for production, Alicia Piper for her fantastic writing, and to Broke Free, who wrote and performed our theme music. See you next week.